You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Today's scripture is taken from Matthew verses 6 and 7 through 12 from the Common English Bible. Earthly and heavenly treasures. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seeing and serving. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Worry and necessities. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the fields grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost of God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Judging. Don't judge, so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt out to you. Why do you see the splinter that's in your brother's or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the splinter out of your eye, when there's a log in your eye? You deceive yourself. First take the log out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's or sister's eye. Don't give holy things to dogs, and don't throw your pearls in front of pigs. They will stomp on the pearls and then turn around and attack you. Asking, seeking, knocking. Ask and you will receive. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is open. Who among you will give your children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for fish? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, you should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you. This is the law and the prophets, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tricia. We continue today with, with the Sermon on the Mount. And we began with a whole new definition of who it is that's blessed, of who it is that's the Holy Ones of God. And it's those who in that time and place were the losers, were considered anything but blessed. And when you think about it, much is still true today. The meek, the mourning, the poor, the merciful, Aren't they losers in a competitive dog-eat-dog -dog world? And then we move to looking at the law of that society in a different way, in a different tradition, looking at the law of how it should work for God and for people and not just against them. And last week, we looked at those spiritual practices that, that give us the strength to, to do the good thing the works of prayer and giving and fasting that are done to build relationships instead of just building self-esteem. Now today we're continuing this new ethic, an ethic of living, by looking at the root causes of human suffering and what Jesus tells us about them. I mean, this is good advice for living. What we have here is simply good advice. Uh, in point of fact, Probably most of us could do a lot of our scripture today word for word, and so could those who are unchurched, maybe even those who never even read the scriptures. Because these words about anxiety and judgment, well, they're so common. And, and together, these two, anxiety and judgment, these are common sayings about them because, because together those two things are the root causes of life's suffering. They're the causes of our individual pain, and, and with that, our ability to inflict pain on others. Anxiety, especially today. Ed Stetzer, the editor of Outreach Magazine, said in addition to COVID, we've had six other pandemics. A pandemic of depression. A pandemic of distrust, 
a pandemic of division, a pandemic of defamation, a pandemic of disorientation, and a pandemic of disruption. I cannot argue against that. And judgment? The teaching here that only God can make these judgments, not that we should lack discernment, but that in judging others, how many times have I said, God damn it, when somebody's cut me off? And maybe God damn them. That's judgment. And it comes from anxiety. Now, there are some problems with our text. We, we have these truisms, but do you really take a look at, do I really take a look at what they mean? Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Thought experiment. Pretend you're at your home and God forbid there's a fire. What do you grab first? You cannot serve God and wealth or God and mammon. How many of us have tried to do just that? I have. I've more often looked at my bank account than my scripture. Life is more than food and clothing. Oh, yeah, except it's good to eat and to be dressed well. And worry, anxiety, worrying about today. Glenn Yarborough had a wonderful song and the, the refrain was, worry is a rocking chair. You go back and forth and you get nowhere. I like that. My father-in-law, Colonel Grancy, used to tell people if they came to him with their worries, tell you what, give me $5 and I'll worry for you. And do unto others. This phrase, do unto others as you would have them do for you. It's not just Christianity. The Old Testament, the Hebrews, the people of Israel, what is hurtful to yourself, do not do to your fellow man. Confucius, is there any one maxim which ought to be acted upon throughout one's whole life? Surely the maxim of loving kindness is such. The Hindus, this is a sum of duty. Do not to others what you have done to thee would cause thee pain. Islam. No one of you is a believer until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Buddhism. Hurt no others with that which pains yourself. And we have specific problems in this text. The sound eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. We'll get to that one closer to the end. The profaning of the holy. Do you hear this? Don't give holy things to dogs and don't throw your pearls in front of pigs. They will stomp on the pearls, then turn around and attack you. Don't throw the holy to the dogs. Ring any bells? Do you remember the story of the Syrophoenician woman? The woman who comes to Jesus to have her daughter cured of a demon. And she comes to Jesus. She's not a Jew. And he tells her, one does not throw the word of God to the dogs. And she is the one who says back to him, but even the dogs sit under the table and eat from the crumbs of the master. And Jesus heals her daughter. 
profaning the holy. And then ask, search, and knock the promises. I will admit that it's hard to feel loved and that there's someone there when I bang at the door and there's no answer. So what makes this advice special? Aside from the fact that it's in our scriptures and it's given to us by Jesus Christ, what makes these common words special? We live in a world where anxiety and its stepsister judgment is rewarded, often richly. We live in a world where that anxiety turns to be rooted in the fear of being judged, which can move us not only to judge others, but to move further to condemn them. I was very successful in this world because I was anxious about doing a good job, about doing better than the other person, about avoiding being judged as insufficient. And this is a path we've seen again and again, and it's where a disagreement, a judgment, an anxiety over someone's policy or politics turns into personalizing them and personalizing their issues and demonizing them and judging them as unfit. We saw this in Nazi Germany. The result was a Holocaust. We saw this in Cambodia with the Khmer Rouge. We've seen this in Rwanda with wholesale murder of thousands. We saw this in Yugoslavia with Christian against Muslim. We've seen it so much that we know what ethnic cleansing means without even thinking about it. And it comes from anxieties and judgments, from fear and judgment. And the one thing that makes this advice from Jesus Christ special is it focuses us on what's important to live in this world community. But there's something else, too. The common element running through these wonderful words, these so familiar words, is that we're supposed to see this world the way God sees it. But to do that, we need hope. Hope that we can seek and not just find, that we can knock, but not just be heard, but to be found. These words, words to meet our anxiety and our fears and, yes, our judgments, judgments that too often work to denigrate ourselves and others, the words that we speak for are hope. More, more precisely, Jesus is asking us here to open our eyes and look at just what kind of hope we're living for. And that's that phrase, the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And the healthy eye is what looks as to what kind of hope we're living for. Are we following a hope that keeps us chained to a system of people and ideas that are destructive of other people or ourselves or this planet? Are we following a hope that requires that we worship mammon? Story it woke me up when I was a young man. One of my first jobs was with the Boston Police Department. I was working in their personnel division. And a good friend of mine, a wonderful man who, who was my, one of my mentors, Jim Donadini, was the head of the AA for the police department. So I got to talk to him about the problems and the issues and the union issues that he dealt with. And it turned out 
the highest paying job in the Boston Police Department for a patrolman. You, you got extra pay for, for extra types of duty. For example, if you were on the bomb squad, you got extra money per week. If you were a dog handler, you got extra money per week. The highest paid one was the chauffeur for the chief of police, the commissioner. I said, Jim, how, I mean, how does that work? I mean, that's nuts. He said, John, you don't understand. Every man here dreams someday of getting that job. That's hope in mammon. It's an anxiety that comes from scarcity, from allowing yourself to be taken by the fear of losing out. Or are we following a hope that grows out of a faith in a new creation and our risen Christ? Vincent Miller, who's a noted theologian in, in Commonwealth Magazine, spoke of this kind of hope. He first pointed out that Thomas Aquinas saw the virtue of hope as a precarious balance between presumption and despair. He, Thomas Aquinas, defined hope as a desire for a future good that is possible but difficult to obtain. And here's the telling point that, that Vincent makes. Hope presumes the ability not only to foresee the desired outcome, but also to understand the obstacles in attaining it. Hope thus requires open eyes, a hard seeing of the truth of circumstances. And that's what we have in today's scripture. The hard seeing of the truth of circumstances, of anxiety, of want, of false judgment, of knocking at the wrong doors instead of the right one. The key is in that hope that God loves me and you. Now, that statement about knocking at the door and it will be opened, about a loving God, really, that, that acts like the parent to give their children what they need, that was a very special change of teaching. You see, in the general view of, of, of Israel at that time, God favored either the prophets or kings, specific individuals and very few of them, or the people as a whole. And that's why the people as a whole were given gifts of land, or people as a whole were punished, as in the Babylonian captivity. But here we are taught about a God who loves each one of us as we are. We can have faith in a different God-centered world than the one that we create with our anxieties and our judgments. And the hope that it will be where there is no suffering done to ourselves or by ourselves or done by us to others. It's the faith and hope proclaimed by Julie of Norwich who said, all will be well. We just need to have our eyes open to what is truly anxiety and judgment.